Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. This is Matt Neely, and you're listening to the Titans Film Room Podcast. Welcome into the Titans Film Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Graber. Your other host, James Esparza, is here. And tonight we're going to talk about, briefly, the Titans game against the Buccaneers and some stats and other indicators that may be interesting for the rest of the season. And then after the break... We will talk about the Titans' upcoming matchup with the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Tough game, tough defense. We'll get into all that and more. Stick around, because we're starting it right this second. Myself, I just think we have to be more consistent on first, second down. You know, I think uh, putting ourselves in third and manageable and then converting when we have those opportunities to stay on the field. So uh, it's really... You know, every down that I want to be better on, you know, uh, you know, hitting the shots when we have, have an opportunity and, uh, you know, being consistent, staying ahead of the chains early in the downs. Okay, Doki, James, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, my dude. What a way to spend Halloween, recording a football podcast. I'm okay cool. with it. I'm okay. We're cool, guys. Just keep that nice. sweet stuff. Let's do it. All right, let's just dive right in. The Tennessee Titans beat the Buccaneers. We haven't talked about it. I know it's already Friday for most of you guys now um, when this will be released, but we haven't talked about it, so we're going to touch on it very briefly. If you want a, a good full recap, check out MCM Radio's spot. They did that uh, earlier this week. Anyway, Tennessee Titans, what do you think of this game? They beat the Bucks 27-23. A win's a win? Is that your attitude here? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of rough to watch at times, but for the most part, we pulled it out. Walked away with a win. Uh, would you say some questionable calling? There, we had, well, the obvious one is the fourth and fourth and two, where Rat Kern is asked to run the ball from the holding position, which is seven yards into the backfield. So it's like a fourth and nine, I guess, from Brett Kern's perspective. Um, Wait, that's our 6'3", 250-pound punter, Brett Kern. Um, no, that's Derrick Henry you're thinking of. Oh, okay, right. Yes, so the Titans, I mean, this is the best run defense in the NFL, so do you just line up and run down the middle on 4th and 2 when they're expecting a run? I don't think that would have worked either. No, no, you just run Brett Kern. But running Brett Kern was never going to work. I mean, I feel like both those plays have a 4% chance of being converted and that's just i mean an arbitrary random number i pulled off the top of my head but i mean do you maybe roll out ryan Tannehill with that little adam humphreys play where he runs three yards and gets a first down i mean that little no, play no, no, no. plenty of times that's kind of that's what i would have the yeah, clock we, stops if you get it or don't so you're not risking anything throwing a pass that you wouldn't be you know we actually saw that play, though, in the game with the Buccaneers, Tannehill running out, and I think LeJuan got, he didn't, like, peel off to take the linebacker, and he Tannehill got crushed. 
Um, but that was kind of like a naked boot. I'm talking more of like a rolling pocket thing. Mm, okay. They've done it a couple times this year where the quarterback snaps it and then just starts sprinting to the sideline and the slot receiver runs like a four-yard out route, like a quick out. And uh, anyway, whatever. That that decision's been talked about ad nauseum at this point. It's Friday, so we're just going to move right ahead. I will say the defense played very well, forcing four turnovers. Of course, one of them bounced off Jameis Winston's face mask, so it wasn't exactly forced, but they did a good job to recover it. And they made a critical fourth and one stop to help ice the game. Jeffrey Simmons was was uh, effective and noticeable on many plays. He's not jumping out on every single play, and I think his conditioning, his lack of conditioning, showed a little bit towards the end of the game. But he looks great for a rookie in his second game. He was making plays. He made a big goal line tackle for loss on the Bucks' first drive, which just great to see Big Jeff out there eating already. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Casey Casey always seems to be outrageously good with his conditioning, so maybe he can help him out. I'm pretty sure he took the rookie under his wing already. So Yeah, I think it has more to do with the rehab coming off of injury and not really not knowing what game shape is at this level as a rookie, so he'll get there in due time. Yeah. Um and then Harold Landry had a strip sack. He's now up to five sacks on the season, which is on pace for ten sacks. Um quietly having a pretty good year. Yeah. And uh He's also been playing well, like he's been sniffing out screens. He's been setting the edge in the run game. So I like it's not just rushing the passer. Landry's showing up. Um, if he could get some help rushing the passer from Jeff Simmons and Casey, that's when you see plays like the Casey sack. Jeff Simmons and Jarrell Casey ran a, a little stunt with Casey looping around and um, or with Casey crashing and Simmons looping around and Simmons kind of got there first and forced Winston to step up right into Casey. And that, those two guys combining for a sack like that's really cool to watch. And then the last player on defense I want to, I want to throw out there is Logan Ryan, who's having an outstanding year. I mean, I don't know who's going to create the campaign for Logan Ryan to be defensive player of the year candidate. I've seen I'm not I'm not I'm not the first person to mention it. I've seen see some people discuss it, but I think if it has if it's going to be a real thing, I mean, they care about te- players who are on winning teams, so the Titans are going to have to go on a run and He's got to get some marketability. The Titans don't have any primetime games left, so it's up to us, James. If we want Logan Ryan to be in consideration, we have to help start spreading the rumors, start making it news, start. I'll start tweeting about it, and you know, you know what I mean. Let's do this because Logan Ryan is playing really well. Jim Wyatt tweeted out earlier today. He's the first player since the year 2000 to have three interceptions, three sacks, and three forced fumbles through a team's first eight games. So he's playing outstanding football in, on, in all phases. He's an all-pro. He is. Sure. He deserves to be. Um, I'm going to note one other thing about this game. So through two games and however many snaps he played against the Broncos, Ryan Tannehill currently sits at number one in the NFL in completion percentage above expectation. So what that means is his completion percentage is 11.9% higher than next-gen stats' completion probability would expect his completion percentage to be at. The reason this matters is because it means he's completing passes at a very high rate and completing passes that shouldn't be expected to be completed over a long period of time. For reference, Tannehill's at 11.9%. Last year, Drew Brees was number one in this statistic, and he was at... 
So Tannehill is a full five percentage points higher than the leader last year, almost doubling the leader last year. Um, the year before that, Drew Brees was also number one, funnily enough. And in 2017, Drew Brees led the league with 3.5% completion percentage above expectation. So the fact that Ryan Tannehill is sitting at 11.9 right now, it's mostly a carryover from from week one because he had um, he was at like 25% in week one, and it was not week one. His first start, what was that? Week seven. In week eight, he was down to 1.7%. So I think 1.7% is going to be closer to what we are going to see for the rest of the season. And that Chargers game is probably going to stand out as a bit of a outlier fluke in terms of tight window throws being completed at the rate that they were by the time we get to the end of this season. So that's something to watch. It's not a good thing. <laughs> it's kind of a scary little indicator but hopefully uh these receivers aj brown Corey davis johnny smith can keep making these types of contested catches and maybe they'll be okay you know ideally though you can get the aggressiveness percentage down and what i'm talking about with that is percentage of passes that were thrown into tight windows which is defined by nfl next gen stats as when the receiver has one yard of separation or less Tannehill was at 33 percent um aggressiveness percentage this week he's at 25 percent on the season so you're not going to continue to complete such a high percentage of passes over expectation at such a high aggressiveness percentage well that's that's kind of factored in so anyway that's my take on uh where the passing offense is at it's unsustainable right now even it wasn't even that good in this game they did convert in the red zone which you love to see Tannehill six for six now in the red zone as the starter so that's nice. but Would you say it's the play calling or the execution? It's always both. It's always going to be both, and everyone's going to want to argue play calling versus execution. I think... It's like the chicken and the egg. Yeah, but I think play calling is more to blame um, just based on some of the stuff that you see when you turn on the All-22 tape and at uh, Titans tape tweeted out a, a example of an all-hooks concept the Titans ran on third and long where all three receivers are like not they're not spreading the field they're all bunched in inside the numbers at the same depth downfield and the defense is able to cover three guys with two in the middle and it's pretty much unconvertible you can't throw that pass there and then he showed an example of how the Niners run the all curls concept where they have like five guys spread out and two of them are outside the numbers and three of them are inside the numbers and they're really pressuring um they're really putting stress on the zone coverages where there aren't enough guys to cover that much ground. And that is a convertible play because you have so so many more options. But the Titans' offensive line, so bad, they can't block for that long on a third and long. So you have to keep those extra two guys in to protect. But the difference is, when you have only three guys like that, you've got to spread them out across the full width of the field and make the defense guards cover sideline to sideline, not just inside the numbers. So that's why I think it's both. You know, it's execution because if the offensive line could hold a block then they wouldn't need to keep so many people in to help pass protect. But if they had the guys spreading the field better, then maybe you could keep all those guys into pass protect. So it goes back. It goes both ways. It's tough. It's a tough situation. So why don't we take a quick break and then come back and talk about the Panthers? Because I don't want to talk about this anymore. Yeah, agreed.
think that they, um, they're very sound. They're very uh, fundamentally sound. They're sound in their scheme. It's not like they have guys that are, that are running free and then they're making mistakes. Um, they're, they're winning. I mean, Addison and Burns and Irvin, Poe and everybody, McCoy involved inside, they're rushing and they're winning. And so it's a huge challenge that they've hit the quarterback 50 times, sacked him 30. Okay, that was one of the Titans coaches or players talking about the Panthers. I haven't picked the clip yet, so we'll see what it is. Hmm. The Carolina Panthers enter this game as the home team against the Tennessee Titans, 4-3. They started off 0-2. They lost Cam Newton. Kyle Allen became the starter. Then they ripped off four straight wins. And last week, lost their first game with Kyle Allen as the starter, 51-13 to the undefeated, currently undefeated, San Francisco 49ers. We're watching Thursday Night Football right now. It's 21-7, so probably will remain undefeated. 49ers. These Panthers did us a favor, though, when they beat the Jags and the Texans with Kyle Allen as a starter. So if the Titans can manage to win this game, they can sort of, in a sense, steal a game back from uh, from the Jags, who they already lost to this season, and, and try to one-up the Texans there in terms of winning against common opponents. Um, the Panthers' other two wins came against the Cardinals and the Buccaneers, who are not the best teams in the league, um, and they actually lost to the Bucs once this season. And their other loss came to the Rams back in Week 1, what do you think, James, just as a um, fan of the Titans, what are you most concerned about when it comes to the Panthers? Well, I'm mostly concerned about Christian McCaffrey. Yes, uh, Christian I McCaffrey. He, he's going to be very important to Kyle, or Kyler, Kyle, Kyle Allen? Kyle Allen. Yeah, Kyle Allen. Sorry, I'm thinking Kyler Murray, the game's on. Anyway, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's going to be very important to Colin's success, and I think Jayon Brown, maybe some Logan Ryan blitzes are going to be very important to hitting McCaffrey early and often. Um, I mean, just because he's small doesn't mean he's tiny by any means. He's apparently like a jack dude, so um, even a Rashawn Evans hit might not do as much as we think it would do. Yeah, McCaffrey's the kind of guy who has such insane contact balance that big hits he kind of keeps his feet and then puts his foot in the ground and gets up field again he's leading the league in yards from scrimmage per game right now with 154 uh but yeah other than Christian McCaffrey that defense is really good as well and the pass rush is going to be insane against this offensive line so hoping we can keep it under three sacks uh I think if they sack (laughs) Tannehill more than five times we're in a lot of trouble Yes, that's an interesting point you make. Carolina is actually, currently, um, number two in the NFL in Football Outsiders' adjusted sack rate, which measures sacks per pass attempt, sacks and intentional grounding penalties per pass attempt, and it's adjusted for down distance and opponent. So it's a Football Outsiders' adjusted metric that measures the sack rate. Panthers are number two in the NFL in total sacks, um, not just this advanced statistic. So... Brian Burns is a big part of that, the rookie Brian Burns, who was, uh, in my opinion, a top-five player in this class. And uh, the Panthers got him um, in the middle of the first round, and he's been great so far this season. Um, so that's that's going to be a problem for the Titans. 
And the Panthers have the number three pass defense DVOA. Now they have the number 32 ranked run defense, according to DVOA. But pass defense, number three overall. So running the ball is the key to beating them. And the reason that their pass defense is so good is because of this pass rush. The Titans have had a pass, have had trouble protecting quarterbacks this season. This is a ferocious defensive line. Gerald McCoy in the middle and Brian Burns on the outside. Other guys contributing along the line as well. Titans interior. If uh, Ben Jones has to miss this game, Ben Jones is in the concussion protocol. So hopefully he can clear the concussion protocol before the game. Otherwise, you're going to have um, potentially Jameel Douglas in at center. Or if Roger Saffold can't go, you'll have Jameel Douglas in at left guard and Hronis Grosu in at center. That's not a very good matchup for the Titans here. So the Titans need to stay out of third and longs. They need to run the ball with Henry. What's interesting about the Panthers' defensive line is that if you look at the Football Outsiders' stats like by rushing direction, they're actually giving up the most yards right up the middle. So maybe the Titans, who love to just run Derrick Henry right up the middle, even when it's not working, maybe they'll be able to find success with that in this game because that's actually the Panthers' biggest single defensive weakness is runs up the middle. Crazy. <laughs> I'm kind of rubbing my temples already thinking about it, but I'm also thinking uh, Art Smith is going to try to get cute with it and use Deion Lewis running up the middle, also using uh, Deion Lewis in some screens uh, to an attempt to neutralize that pass rush. And yeah. it's not going to end well. Last week against a really good defensive line, the Titans faced third and seven or longer on nine attempts. That's too many. That's yep. not a winning recipe. So they have yep. to stay out of that situation this game as much as they can. So kind of going with a Halloween theme, what are some of your fears with this game? My fears are not getting pressure on Kyle Allen and allowing him to sit in the pocket and find guys. Kyle Allen's kind of like a timing. He's a good timing quarterback. Um, He's a rhythm passer. So he's not very good against pressure. He's not very good when the structure breaks down. Uh, Last week, um, the Niners were able to sack him seven times, I think. Yeah, seven sacks last week. He turned it over three times um, through seven games, so before the Niners game when they sacked him seven times. Here's Kyle Allen's uh, stats according to PFF, under pressure and not under pressure. With no pressure, Kyle Allen is completing 72.8% of his passes for 8.5 yards per attempt. Under pressure, he's completing just 43% of his passes for 4.1 yards per attempt. So the Titans need to get to Kyle Allen. In order to do that, they're going to have to stop Christian McCaffrey. Of course, the Niners last week allowed McCaffrey to run for 117 yards and a touchdown on just 14 carries, and then they won the game by 38 points. So shutting him down isn't the only way to do it, but um, the Bucs actually did shut down McCaffrey. They held him to 31 yards on 22 carries and 40 yards on on four receptions, and uh, they lost 37-26. So... Shutting down McCaffrey doesn't necessarily mean you win the game. Of course, Jameis Winston had six turnovers in that game, so that might explain it. But the the key is look at Christian McCaffrey wherever he is. I, I watched some tape of the of the last week's game, the Niners versus the Panthers, and there's an early third down play where Christian McCaffrey has like a little out route from the slot, and Kyle Allen's looking right at him, and the uh, defense double teams McCaffrey. They bracket him with a defender over the backside and on the front side. DJ Moore, wide open in the middle of the field. Wide open. The defense completely abandoned him to go double-team McCaffrey. Kyle Allen didn't see it, didn't see his guy coming open, and took a sack. 
that's how you beat this this team. So Kyle Allen is a is not a great quarterback, and the talk about Cam Newton possibly coming back is for a reason. That's my biggest fear is that Kyle Allen somehow makes this defense look bad. <laughs> I'm gonna say mine's probably this defense just completely nullifying our offense. And once again, we have another bad week of offensive play. Granted, we have scored the ball, um, but I don't know. It's just like very clunky at times. Um, Inefficient. Yeah. Inefficient. Yeah, that's a better word. And I'm also very, very scared to see another bad decision by Mike Vrabel. (laughs) So I don't know what it's going to be, but man, has he surprised me every week. So let's see what we got on the plate. Do you have a score prediction? Uh, I really don't like doing it, but um, I think with the way we're going to be running the ball, the way both defenses are playing, um, I'm going to say 17 to 10 Titans. Nice. That's a lot of confidence. I'm going to take the Titans. In a close game, I say they win on a field goal by Ryan Suckup, 22-20. to 20. I don't even know if Ryan Suckup's going to play. We haven't got the news on that yet. The team will decide at the end of the week whether they're going to activate him from IR. Um, but I'm predicting that he plays and that the Titans win on, a, on his foot. What do you think of that? Uh, huh? What have they said about Ryan Suckup? Is he back? John Glennon actually tweeted today, seven hours ago from now. It's evening on Thursday. Did not see kicker Cody Parkey, but kicker Ryan Suckup did stretch and some light work before leaving practice. Interesting. Uh, Ben Jones and Delaney Walker did not practice. And Jarrell Casey was back there in limited fashion after he missed missed Wednesday's practice. Um, So Suckup was out there on the field on Thursday. I don't know. uh, I don't know what that means yet. Do you think he's going to have any rust? I mean... Oh, well, the thing is, like, he was so close to returning before the season and he had whatever setback he had that I feel like the rust, like, even though he's not been practicing, I don't know. I don't know. Is he allowed to practice over the last eight weeks? (laughs) Right. I don't know. I'm just Um, worried about Suckup coming back and, I don't know, a few missed kicks when we, like, right now we just can't afford missed kicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, some notes from, from other people who were injured. Malcolm Butler, Adore Jackson, Roger Saffold, and Cameron Wake were all limited on Wednesday. All four guys were full participants on Thursday. Harold Landry has been limited the last two days, and Chris Milton, who's been out for a while, has actually been a limited participant the last two days. Jayon Brown, who was not on the injury report yesterday, was a limited participant today. Um... So that's interesting. Hopefully he didn't tweak whatever injury he had that held him out of week seven. Um, And then Jarrell Casey, who only practiced on a side field, Ben Jones and Delaney Walker were put, were listed as did not practice for this session. So that's something to keep an eye on on Friday as you go throughout your day and prepare for a Titans game on Sunday. Other than that, uh, I don't know what else to, to tell these good people. Uh, well, we hope you had a wonderful Halloween. Um, lots of sugar comas for everyone. And 
we will see you Sunday night. Well, I guess you'll hear us on Monday, but we'll should be recording Sunday night. If you are listening late Sunday night, you might get us then. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Music City Miracles. That's where you'll find us and MCM Radio with Jimmy and Terry. Follow James on Twitter. Take out your phone right now. I don't care what you're doing. Take out your phone. Go to Twitter. Search at South Texas Titan. Find that page. Click that follow button. I'm at Titan's Film Room. And uh, that's it. I love you.